When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. in and it's Derby Week in Lancashire. Morecambe travel to the Crown Ground. Let's have it! Welcome to the latest edition of the Raw Milk Podcast. I am Joshua Cook. I am joined, as always, by Callum Gibson. Gibby, how are you? Steady away, Chief, as always. You? Yeah, not so bad, mate. Well, I'll go into... I'm not, actually, to be fair. Um, I've just got the news this evening that I have got COVID. Um, uh, Starting on a proper downer, though, I I went to the races at the weekend for a stag do, Um. And I was sort of hung over really badly on Sunday. Um, and on Monday, I didn't feel any better. And I was just thinking it was a two-day hangover. But I felt dreadful on Tuesday as well, which I was thinking, mm, right, well, you haven't got a three-day hangover. I did a test last night, nothing. So just thought I'd got a bit of a flu. And then I've slept like shit again last night, woke up, been to work, awful again, came back, did a test, and I've got a the dreaded second line on the old lateral floor. So this is going to be a bit of a Morecambe special and I'm not even going to be at the game now. So I'm a bit gutted, to be fair. Well, we'll see if we can give you a minute's silence if anything happens to you. So there's always that. And I'm sure you'll be tuning in, paying your 10 hard-earned Raheems to watch the lads. So you'll be there in spirit. Well, I probably will do that £10 thing, but... um. Our gracious leader and overlord will not be happy with that, will he? Well, it is what it is. Luckily that you now live in the Cayman Islands, so it doesn't affect you. That's true. It does not affect me. And yeah, if anyone's listening to this, yeah, I have have recently moved to the Cayman Islands. And if you didn't know that, um, don't ask any questions. Don't Google it. Don't go looking for it. But um, So yeah, how are you doing anyway? Are you okay? What have you had for your tea, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, I'm good. It's always a strange time of year, isn't it? We had such a mild and and, and uh, warm summer that the cold snaps really hit this week. 
Yeah. So I've done a lot of traveling. I was in Liverpool and Stafford and Carlisle. So a bit, bit tired from the traveling, but uh, tea was tea was good. Basically, I, I, I came down to literally having three fish fingers in the in the fridge and some salmon on croute. So it's literally feast or famine. So I went for the, I went for the salmon on croute and the three fish fingers can uh, can buy the time. <laughs> they live to fight another day. Very nice. What salmon on what what have you had that with? Do you just have it on its own? I don't even know what yeah, that is. Yeah, so for any of our uh, listeners at home, it's basically it's like beef wellington, but with salmon. Ah, okay. So yeah. it sounds it sounds really extravagant, but you get two in a box for a pound from Tesco. Um, <laughs> they are decent to be fair. I think it was like a hot salmon pasty. Ah, okay. So you haven't had it with spuds or anything like that. I'm not Rockefeller, not made of money. <laughs> And nice. Whereabouts are you? Are you still away uh, with work now? Or? No, I'm, I'm in now. No. So I was, I was down in Stafford yesterday, down in the Midlands. So I've uh, been working from home today. so not too bad. But uh, yeah, just uh, when you work from home, it tends to mess your sleep cycle up, you know. So getting up late, but then working through till sort of 1, 2 a.m. just because you can. So uh, it's a first world problem. I do appreciate that. I do appreciate most of the listeners were sort of nodding off in a coma by now. But uh yeah, I'm all good. Can't complain, even though I have complained vigorously. Well, yeah, but that's just part of, I guess, both of our personality, really, isn't it? Um, well, I'm speaking for you there. It's part of my personality, 100%. Just complaining as and when, really. Um, but we live to fight another day, don't we? It's Derby week. Are you excited for the weekend? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't been as, as many games as I'd like this year because obviously being away and... Uh, you know, going freelance, you know, finance are a bit precarious. They're okay now, but I thought at the time, I thought I can't I can't justify, you know, a three-figure sum. Uh, and then for some reason, you, you're not allowed to buy season tickets on the day. So that put me off the Charleston game. And then uh, things have things have come, come and I've worked quite a few Saturdays as well. So I'm looking forward to getting on. But as luck would have it, the first game I'll be able to get on is the, the rail strikes. Which I do support, victory to the RMT, uh, but it's a bit of a pain in the neck for me. So it'll be the old uh, X41, I think, a few cans. Ah, well, the X41's not too bad, is it? Um, yeah, let's touch on that a little bit as well. I know that we get, um, we do get smashed for, you know, being too political and stuff like that. But our new Chancellor of the Exchequer has announced this mini budget, hasn't he? And that was last Friday. And since then, the sterling has tanked to. Pretty much levels we've never seen before. Um, I'm a teacher and there's been massive meetings this week where the unions are mobilising to strike. Um, and yeah, the country's just in a bit of a shocking place at the minute, isn't it? Um, hopefully sort of watching Stanley can get us through that a little bit because it's 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 all looking relatively dire out there at the minute, no matter what sort of political leanings you are or who you sort of support yeah. in that way. But, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just a shit show at the minute, isn't it? Everything's so divided. You know, cost of living's going mental. Banks have been pulling mortgage rates and stuff like that. Um, it's just a Yeah, and again, again, like you say, you know, not to get too political, but the, the worst thing about it is it's not as though we're going through, say, a wartime period where you expect these things. It's entirely self-inflicted. Like all of these things, the running of the pound, the mortgage rates rocketing, they, they they didn't have to happen, and that's probably the most frustrating thing. And you know, when you, especially when you live in the north, you know, and and you, you you're around areas that will be hit hit the hardest by it. You know, we need the traction from Derby Day, so 
you know, hopefully the lads can do it on Saturday. Um, I said to you last time, I think, last time we spoke about Morecambe games, that there's always been... I've always wanted to win, but there's always been that bit of respect. Um, but the last home game, the 2-2 draw, was the first time I'd had... It's like a proper derby sensation. The feeling that Blackburn and Burnley fans must get, or the United fans, where you're like, right, we cannot lose. I'm thinking about it all week. I don't want to lose. I'll take a draw just not to lose, that kind of thing. Uh, and when they went 2-0 up, my stomach just dropped in a way. You know, they beat us before, and I haven't I haven't felt like that, as I did when we were 2-0 down. So I'm really looking forward to it, and hopefully um, we give them a good old-fashioned pasting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, thanks for building that up when you know that I can't go as well. Um, but do you th- what do you think it was about that game? Do you think it was the fact that they'd been so successful last year and they brought a few with them this time as well? Do you think it just had a bit, of, a bit of a bigger game feel to it rather than just seeing sort of 300 in the away end? Yeah, I think what, what set it off is we went up there in like the September and uh, they were mocking us because we only brought, you know, X amount... And I was thinking, you often bring half that to the crown, but you've had this one. You've had this one good season, which is great. You know, we we we, we touched on this before in the podcast about keeping football affordable, and the cheap season tickets they do are fantastic, and they're getting three and a half, four thousand on. Brilliant, good for you. But there's a legion of fans who pretend that's always been the way. You know, and they're saying, "Oh, we'll come to Accrington, we'll take over." Oh, you're following it. Our gaff was disgusting. You know. They've had less than 1,000 on for a football league game more recently than we have, you know, and that's with the added benefit of nothing near them football-wise. So enjoy your success, but don't pretend that you're a lot bigger than us or you've always had these kind of gates or you've always travelled superbly well. It just isn't true, you know. That's what I think has got the needle to it, the sort of... The arrogance that some of the fan base has developed, I think. Well, that's incredible because you just think to yourself, well, if someone's saying we're taking this amount to you, this X amount to you, blah, 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 well, that would say to me that you've never made the trip to Accrington before because I'd love to see what the attendance was in uh, 20, was it 2016 when the last game or the time before that, twenty, well, maybe a little bit later, 2017-ish when we won the league probably. Because I'm, yeah, I doubt, yeah, it wasn't anywhere near sort of what they did last time, but yeah, it did have a big game feel to it. They did bring a few, and it and it sort of added to it, so it'll be exciting. Um, added to that, I suppose. Last time we spoke, I remember we said that we'd, you know, let's judge the team after ten games. Um, I was looking at the the results today, and a sort of a decent enough start to the season sort of manifested itself in some shock, a shocking run of results at the start of September for us. Um, and, you know, that really made everyone think about where our position was in the context of this season. Um, I went on the, the Ipswich game. We were absolutely dross, to be honest. We were absolutely dire. And it was a pretty poor game, to be honest. And both sides weren't really at it, but... You always had the feel that Ipswich were, I thought, the better football inside, to be honest. Um, and obviously they got sort of two latish goals. Um, but it was always coming. And then we sort of had two midweek losses against um who was it? Wickham and Forest Green, wasn't it? Who you wouldn't be too it wouldn't be too much of a shock Reese that really, but it was the manner of them that sort of got people sort of talking. You know, in that vein of well, Jesus Christ, where are we going here? We really need to get some a striker in or someone like that. 
But Stanley being Stanley and the way that it always is, you know, a couple of back-to-back wins now and everything's looking rosy. Um, you know, we're four points off the playoffs again. So I was going to ask you, what, in all seriousness to it, you know, and that sort of football cliche thing aside where you win two games during the playoffs, where do you think our season progresses? Where do you think we're mixing it this year? Because we're sitting 13th now. And if we hadn't got those two back-to-back wins, you know, we'd be very, very down there in, in the mix with um with our friends from West Lancashire. Um, I was just hoping to get your opinion on that, really. Yeah, it's interesting. Those two back-to-back wins have really changed the picture, haven't they? If we, if we recorded this before then, I would have told you I was quite worried um, because the lads are huffing and puffing, but we seem to lack quality. I, I said to you, I watched the Forest Green game. And I watched bits and pieces previously. I watched most of the Charlton game, for example. But the Forest Green game was the first full 90 minutes I'd seen. And I, was, I said to you, I was, I was surprised how bad we are. I texted my dad the same thing. I was surprised how poor we were. And I really feared for us because we don't have that cutting edge up front. But typical Corley, typical Stanley, as you say, he pulls those, he pulls those wins out. I'm. It's difficult because if, if you were saying to me, we're going to get promoted, we're going to get relegated... I would say to you, the table doesn't iron itself out till Christmas. You can't look at it till Christmas. But we all do. Even after one game, two points of the playoffs, whatever it is, you, you can't but want the league table to be positive. But if we finish 13th, I would absolutely snap your hand off. I want to stay up and have a good cup run, uh, draw a non-league team away for the crack, then finally get that elusive big tie we've never had. That's That will be... A dream season for me, but uh, I just feel we need we need something more up front. This Cissé lad, it, it looks handy, but he got himself crocked. Uh, Matt Law, I don't think is the answer. Like you say, huffs and puffs, but it, it seems a, too big a step up for him at the moment. I'm sure he'll come good. Um, we you know we can't keep relying on you know the likes of Tommy Lee to, to keep bailing us out. But uh, yeah, I worry about the firepower, and I worry about the defense until. Bagaloo and uh, Knotts come back because that's absolutely ripped us apart. That so, in answer to your, to your question, that was a long-winded and rambling response. But I think we'll be fine. I think we'll. I think we'll look like we're going to struggle at points. I think we'll have some really streaky spells where we will lose five on the bounce, but we'll get two or three wins after that. We don't tend to do that many draws, so I think I think we'll be all right. There's four teams worse than us, you know. I think Burton are doomed. Fleetwood are going to struggle this year, so we only need two more really. That Cheltenham, that Cheltenham win, even that early in the season, they're a similar size club, so that was a six-pointer really. So that was a good, uh, a good victory. But uh, no, I'm not worried. Where do you think we'll finish? If you're, if you're a gambling man, what would you put money on? <clears throat> Ooh, yeah, it's a good question. I'd, I'd probably, I'd probably say about, you know, sort of mid to lower end, t- mid table again. I'd probably mm. say probably about sixteenth. Just because, like you say, I think we have those runs um, throughout the season where we look like we're, you know, we're picking up one nil wins here and there. But then I think we do have them runs always where we go ten games and we've only won two games. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think you know, I think a good season, like we say, is about midway again. I don't think we're good enough to go into that top 10 for any sort of long amount of time. Because like I say, the teams that I've watched as against that are up there mm. look 
they do look they do look a different class to us, I'd say. Like you say, I think we're lacking massively up front and we're absolutely shot with injuries at the back. So and it seems that we're yeah. sort of relying on squad players that have been squad players for two or three years that are now thrust and, and the sort of first name on the team sheet. It's a tough one, but I think yeah, I, I, I think we'll be okay. I think it's similar I think it's similar to to uh, you know the Burnley situation when they were in the Premier League. I think you sometimes worry as a Stanley fan that we can huff and puff and do our best, but eventually you will just get squeezed out. And is this the season? That's what I always think. I don't think it's this season. I don't think it will be, you know, under Coley anytime soon. But you do think, you know, is the magic juice going to run out? Can we keep pulling out miracles? Can we keep pulling out rabbits out of the hat? And and do our do our you know now two thousand core? Do they understand a lot of them that every season in the third tier is miraculous? when they get on the players' backs, when they say things online, you know. But this season, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, decent then. Well, you know, we've just mentioned there, actually, um, the run of games that we have that we might struggle with. I was also looking at the fixtures. If anybody can hear me rattling around, by the way, I am drinking a Lemsip drink here because my nose is completely blocked. So don't mind me sipping away while... Uh, Gibby goes off on one. Um, but yeah, I was I was thinking about it in the the context of how big a game this Saturday is because the games after that are Plymouth, Derby County, Bolton, Peterborough, Fleetwood, Lincoln City. Now, I was looking at the the table today. Plymouth are top. Derby will bring a massive away following to the crown. Bolton are in the playoffs. And they sort of have it in for us, don't they? And they'll bring a massive following again. Peterborough are eighth, just outside of the playoffs. Fleetwood one uh, one space below us, and again, sort of a, they'll they'll come and want to do us over. Sort of Lancashire rivals, um, similar sized clubs. So realistically, every game this month is against teams that are around us or above us, um, which really shows that we need a massive game, we need a massive result on Saturday and sort of continue to Morecambe's tough start because looking at them, they've played 10, won one, drawn four and lost five, which is, you know, I think even the most ardent supporter from Morecambe will tell you that that's, that is shite. But if you're a Morecambe supporter, there's no better game than Accrington away to sort of try and put that right as they're and get the season ticking properly. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think I think the fact that us and Morecambe, not only are relatively you know similar sized clubs, we're we're also clubs that are, are always pegged to struggle and always pegged to, to be in a relegation scrap. I think that gives these games another extra edge. The same with Fleetwood sometimes, although not to the same same degree. Um, that Derby game is looking juicy. Still feels like a cup tie when you see games like that. Uh, the same with Sheffield Wednesday. Um, so that'll be a barometer, but it says it all. You know, Derby County, massive club, thirty thousand at home, higher than our town's population, and the uh, mid-table. You know, they're struggling to adapt to League One, so it is going to be a big test. But uh, anyone who's followed Stanley for any amount of time will tell you we'll get dicked off Forest Green and Fleetwood and beat Derby County and Plymouth. It's always been the way, you know, and uh, hopefully it's the way again without the defeats, obviously. Yeah, hundred percent. Um. So rolling in on that, then we've just we've just spoken about our um, struggles up front this season. I just wanted to mention a young man who joined us last week on a short term deal. Is this man the answer to our our goal drought? Nathan Delfonso. 
Um, looking at his senior career, he's played for Villa, Burnley, Leicester, Blackpool, Blackpool, Coventry, Blackpool, Blackburn, Bury, Swindon, Blackpool, Bolton, Bradford City, and then us. Um, in that order. So, someone with, I think his best record is probably Blackpool, three years, 125 appearances and 24 goals. So, what did you think about that signing? It seemed to me like that was like just, you know, no offence to him. I'm sure he's definitely not listening to this, but just, I think it just feels like fucking hell, just get somebody in, get somebody in, please. Yeah, well, I'm I was I was torn on it because when we signed him, a lot of his previous club supporters were, were commenting, weren't they, saying things like "good luck" and "you're definitely going down now," and it was shite for us and this and that. But I like to think that his career, the way it's gone, it's, it's probably heading towards last chance saloon for him. It'll be a cheap deal for us. We need to get somebody's in, and if he's if he's shite, he's shite. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. So hopefully, Corley can do a bit of magic and get a tune out of him. Um, I'm not expecting great things though and I want to be pleasantly surprised I want you to be grovelling on your hands and knees personally welcome, welcoming him into the Fall on Abuja Hall of Fame well yeah I've just I've stuck my head above the uh, the parapet there haven't I because I've gone on and waxed lyrical about people like Gary Roberts in the past and then he's turned out to do absolutely nothing <laughs> on his return <laughs> so that's what I'm doing I'm just playing I'm just playing sort of fate against itself here and opening that Nathan becomes our yeah. all-time top goal scorer. Didn't you write a two-page spread about the second coming for Gary Roberts? Uh, yeah, I did. And we've mentioned that before. And um, let's never mention it again. But looking back, I mean, I'm, you know, not that I'm any sort of Henry Winter style-esque, but it was actually my best piece of writing that that I've ever done. <laughs> but it didn't actually turn out to mean anything, did it? But yes, well... Go on. Have you seen that um, slightly off topic? Have you not seen the, I can't remember his name, is Oliver Holt writes for a lot of the big newspapers. And there's a tweet he did years ago that gets recycled, which says, Man City have brought in Kevin De Bruyne. Liverpool have brought in Charlie Adam. I think Adam could be the best bit of business there. Yeah. And he's always reminded of it time and time again. So it it happens to the best. That reared its head again this week, didn't it, with the retirement of Charlie Adam. That was doing the rounds again. But, um, Listen, even a uh, broken clock's right two times a day, isn't it? So, yeah, listen, Nathan, all the best to him. I'm sure that he, you know, if he comes on the scores the winner on Saturday, I'll be sat in this living room in the Cayman Islands um, with my dick out, probably. But, uh, yeah, there we go. (coughs) So, yeah, who do you think have been sort of standout players for us so far? Well, I guess... From what you've seen, the little clips and stuff like that, I'd struggle to put a name to it. Yeah, so I, I would, I would say, I would say Tommy Lee's been decent for us. Um, it was good to see Joe Pritchard scoring at the weekend as well. You know, he's had a lot of injury problems, so hopefully he can come good for us. Shout out to oh, Luke Hartley. Yeah, Shout out to Luke Hartley on Joe Pritchard. Joe Pritchard's biggest fan. Yeah, he's best mate. Uh, but uh, the th- the three the three you know players who've played quite well I think so far have been Tommy Lee, Sean McConville, Evergreen, and uh, Lucas Jensen in the goals has been quite decent as well. Stopped stopped us from getting a, f- a few hidings, I thought. Yeah, the keeper looks class actually. Um, Sean McConville, 
fucking it's like it's like his best ever season this is looking like he's he's absolutely on fire isn't he or I know we probably say this every single time me and you speak but the man's you know he's aging like a uh, a fine cheese yeah no it's there's, there's been a lot of debate on social media recently about the greatest ever read and it's it's completely up to debate and I'm not knocking anybody else's views but for me he is Record EFL appearances on his way to be the complete record appearance holder if he stays fit. Numerous EFL goals, done it at the club's two highest levels. You know, all the abuse he got when he came back about being Jimmy's nephew. He's just so consistent. Like, even his bad games are still six, seven out of ten. And he seems to give the whole team a lift and he just gets the club and. You can see him being here for a long time after he retires. You can see him sort of stepping into Corley's stead, hopefully. But uh, yeah, I can't think there's there's not many players who, certainly in the modern era and certainly in the professional era, have com- have contributed as much towards Accrington as Sean McConville. No, that's absolutely true, and I would stand with you on that. I did, I did understand, I did actually understand what Darren uh, was saying with that argument because his point was, wasn't it, that if I was going to name top a top ten players that sort of excite me. I honestly don't think he'd come into the top 10, which I understand what he's saying when he's looking at players, you know, like Romy Bocco and Gary Roberts. And there's almost like a romanticised view of those players, isn't there? But I think if you if you take it pound for pound, in my opinion, I think he's probably now the, the most successful and the best ever Accrington player. Um, but yeah, I did understand what Darren was saying. It, to be it fair. depends what you mean. Yeah, I understood what he meant I'm perfectly well, but it depends what you mean by best. Best's a loaded question, really. Well, of course um, it is, but that, that best, was the argument, wasn't it? That was the argument, best. Yeah. It but, just, it's but, whatever it but means people to you. Often, people often take best to mean favourite. So my favourite Stanley player will always be Andy Goot because of that goal, but I would never put him in a best ever 11. I might put him in a Gibby's 11 for the crack, but I would never say he was one of our more talented players. On the flip side, Jimmy Ryan... One of the one of the most talented players to ever wear the shirt, but again, I wouldn't put him in the best eleven because he didn't do it on a long enough basis for us. So talent, there's lots of things that go into what you what you determine your best talent, flair, longevity. You know, it's it, it's not an exact science, is it? And that's why that's why we love we love debating it so much. That's true. Yeah. Um, okay, then. So let's move on to Saturday, and I wanted to just. Talk about, I know we've spoken about these a lot before, but there's 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 a lot that we probably haven't touched on, but just memories of playing Morecambe over the years. And I was again doing some digging today um, just before we came on. And I just want to read out for people that, you know, might be newer fans or people that don't mm. sort of understand the history of the clubs. I just wanted to read out the head-to-head over some years. So... This might take a while, so if you're a Morecambe fan, turn off now. Morecambe nil, Accrington Stanley 1, 6th of November 2007. Accrington Stanley 3, Morecambe 2, 12th of March 2008. 28th of October 1 1, 2008. 27th of January 2009, Accrington Stanley 1, Morecambe nil. Boxing Day 2009, Morecambe 1, Accrington Stanley 2. 6th of February 2010, Accrington Stanley 3, Morecambe 2. 1st of January 2011, 
Morecambe 1, Accrington Stanley 2. 1st of February 2011, Accrington Stanley 1, Morecambe 1. Boxing Day 2011, Morecambe 1, Accrington Stanley 2. 20th of March 2012, Accrington Stanley 1, Morecambe 1. 4th of September 2012 is an outlier because it was the Johnston's Paint Trophy and anyone who was there on the night will tell you Morecambe played a full-strength side and we played the kids. That doesn't count. 6th of November 2012, Morecambe nil, Accrington Stanley nil. 12th of April 2013, Accrington Stanley 2, Morecambe nil. 26th of October 2013, Morecambe 1, Accrington Stanley 2, the greatest ever Stanley win of all time. Don't at me. 18th of March 2014, Accrington Stanley 5, Morecambe 1. 31st of October 2014, Accrington Stanley 2, Morecambe 1. 3rd of April 2015, Morecambe 1, Accrington Stanley 1. All of that time, we did not lose to them in a league game. That is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. 16 games, mate. 16 games, no defeats. We won't talk about what happened late in 2015. It doesn't count. What a time to be alive. Absolutely. Absolutely unreal. I mean, I was tempted while you were reading those result, you know, results out to to start shaking hands with the one I milkman. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the decade of dominance—they were halcyon days. Um, absolute, absolute times. It, it reached a stage where you knew we would win. Like you could look at the table and you could add the three points in your head. And when you went on their forum or talked to their fans, they, they were resigned to defeat. Absolute halcyon days. I mean, it's testament to this fixture. When you asked on Twitter what your memories become, it, it's testament how hard a question that is, because we've we've had such dominance and so many good times. You know, our our memories are their dreams. That's how dominant we've been. You know, you've got the Bavs penalty, the Murphy goal, the Hughes goal, all of these, which I'm sure we'll we'll talk about shortly. But yeah, just spectacular times to be a Red and. For any of the sort of the older Stanley fans who remember sort of wanting to be Morecambe and Morecambe being light years ahead of us, you know, this must truly have been like, like, like the, you know, as, as hedonistic as the last days of Rome. Great times. Okay then, so yeah, we've just rattled through like 16 good results against Morecambe and to be fair, there's not a lot much more we can say about the fixture. I just wanted to sort of say, obviously, my favourite one is that Peter Murphy one. Are there any sort of hidden gems that don't come that come to mind for you that we haven't really mentioned before? Um, because we've we've also spoken about that one one where Lloyd Jones scored that like forty yard definite cross and stuff like that. But is there any that come to mind for you that we haven't really spoken about in the past? Well, as you said, then your you, your big ones that always come up are Peter Murphy, Brian Hughes, Bav's penalty save, and the five one. They are always the really common ones. I think the last year's two two at the Crown was underrated. Just because we went two 0 down, and we should have we should have still smashed them. 
Like we went 2-0 down and we were all panicking. Like not only have they done us, they've done us at the crown with this new glory hunting following. And it was going to be absolutely embarrassing. But we got it back to 2-2. And to be fair, we absolutely battered them. That game could have ended 7-2 and no one could have complained. And also the return leg, well, the initial leg at at, uh, at the Caravan Park when it was three apiece. And again, I think they went 1-0 up. And you're thinking, oh, big crowd. Because it was the first time we've really seen that ground full, really, wasn't it? Think, oh, here we go. This could be embarrassing. Uh, but we turned it around again. So both, both games last year, I would say, were slightly underrated, you know. Um, I'm just trying to cast my mind back. There was one that sticks out for me is always our first year, our first year in the conference. We weren't there on Boxing Day, and they did seem massive. I would have been, well, I have been 12, Boxing Day 2003, 13 at a push. And the, the, the North Stand seemed massive. We brought loads. I mean, to put it into context, we'd played there, we'd played Barrow there in a cup final the year before. So that we, that's how big we thought that ground was. We played cup finals there. Um, so it's a goal there. And we were part-time as well. And they were an established full-time full time team. Uh, it felt like a proper proper big fixture. You know, the season before, you've been going to like, you know, Marine and Bursco and to go to a big ground like that and have a local derby felt really good. And then we only lost 1-0 in stoppage time thanks to a Steve Holford on goal. Um but yeah, playing them again, especially for, like you said, for the older generation, that was the first time we played them for a long time as well. Um, so that sticks in my head. I mean, you always have good double double headers, you know. I can remember playing them Boxing Day and then the New Year's Day, which you don't see so much these days. So, well, you don't see it at all, do you? Mm, no, I mean, a few years ago we had, we played, I think it was something stupid, like we had South End away on the 15th of December. And then a few days later, Plymouth away. So South End and Plymouth away in the week before Christmas. Why can you not give us Rochdale as it was then? Or Fleetwood? No. It's common sense, isn't it? It is, but, but yeah, not much that surrounds itself. Much. Not much common sense surrounds itself in football, does it? Um I think I do I do miss Christie Park as well, you know, like I miss the chippy outside going into the away end. I just like you say, that massive stand behind their goal. It felt like we were sort of proper underdogs there. I know that we we probably weren't, but it, it felt like a proper derby, sort of a proper old school away end that behind that goal. I just do miss to, that. Um, just to interject, I can't believe I haven't mentioned this. The Cranish Cracker game. Uh, me, <sighs> Niall and Leon Firefield went. And Leon's dad drove us on a Tuesday night. And uh, everything you hear about it, the song, everything. I'm just... It, the fact there's no footage enrages me because it was, gets the ball on the halfway line, beats two or three, finds a top corner from 30 yards. And every time I play that goal back in my head, he's further and further away from goal. <laughs> yeah. So eventually eventually we're going to reach a stage in my head where Ian Craney takes a goal kick and it, and it goes in. But to do them there as well, to beat them, score that goal um, on a Tuesday night under the lights at Christie Park, yeah, that takes some beating. But you're right, Christie Park was was proper, you know, and it, what they've got now is, uh, I mean, it's functional for them, I'll give them that, but it's, I don't think it's even built properly to spec. That away end, that, that corridor of death behind the away end, how they cope when they get like Sheffield Wednesday or Derby in there, I've no idea. Because it's bad enough when we take 600. You've got 2,500 fans in there. Hard work. Yeah, that's true. Um, 
one that stick. I mean, it, it seemed to me as well for a time that we that sort of end of the two thousands, we always seem to play him away on a Tuesday night as well. Um, one that sticks out for me was when I was in year eleven. We played him on. I think it was Boxing Day. Yeah, it was Boxing Day 2011. We won 2-1 and Procky scored a penalty. I think we were one down and Phil Edwards scored. Oh, no, it was... I think Phil Edwards scored the penalty and Procky Procky scored the other one. But I remember we came from behind and we we won 2-1 and it was really hit and miss whether the game was going to be on or not because it it had been a a cold Christmas um, and it it got sort of cold on late, late on. That one sticks in my head. We were wearing a yellow kit and I was right behind the goal when we scored. Um, proper good memories then. Um, and really, you can't get two more Accrington players to score goals than Phil Edwards and, uh, and Procky, can you, as well? Um, yeah, just on, the, uh, just on the topic of Phil Edwards, really, I, I understand he's been in ill health recently, so I'm sure everyone connected with the podcast and indeed... Accrington Stanley would like to wish Phil Edwards all the best, true, true Stanley hero and a true warrior. Very true, an absolute legend, and um, may you get well soon. So, this is his clubs, right? Preston North End, Huddersfield Town, Barnsley, Peterborough, Cambridge United, Swindon Town, Brentford, Wickham Wanderers, Shrewsbury Town, St Albans City, Macclesfield Town, Accrington Stanley, Weymouth Walking, Grays Athletic, Southport, Boreham Wood, Tooting and Mitcham United and Cheshire. The Honour Beyond Hall of Fame. The Honour Beyond Hall of Fame. You might fall on a but he's the greatest striker over six foot with a surname with awe that has ever played for us in the Football League. Six foot five, stealing a living. Do you know what? I've decided. We are going to call it after him then. What, how do you say his first name? Fallen. I always thought it was Fallen. The Honour Beyond the Old Faith. You've listened to Fallen, top lad. The Honour Beyond the Old Faith. So, it's the first Fallen on a Bougie Hall of Fame for the new season. Um, and I've got. Well, it's two two groups of people that I want to put in there, really. Um, the first one is Kevin Ellison, um, because he was Stanley's, you know, enemy number one for many, many years, and he was Morecambe's talisman in all those years of when we were really dominating him and it, it was getting worse, that sort of early 2010s to, to mid-2010s where they really sort of could have got one over on us a few times. He was always one turning around, winding the fans up, wasn't he? Absolutely brilliant to watch. A player that you'd love to have played for you and I, I sort of am sad that we didn't see him at Stanley as well, but he always used to score. He always used to slap his head, didn't he? Because we'd all been calling him Voldemort and stuff like that. Um but never really truly got one over on us. So I was going to say, can, can we put non-Stanley players in the Fall on a Bougie Hall of Fame? I'm not sure. Or the, the Fall on a Bougie well, Hall of Shame? I mean, it, it's arguable Kevin Allison's done more for Rackerton Stanley than, than Fall on a Bougie. So um, I'll allow it. And let's forget Kevin Allison was, you know, tried his best to get the, the game postponed that led to the 5-1 because we were drawing, weren't we, at the time and they had 10 men. And he was deliberately kicking it into puddles and shouting at the ref to look how it wasn't rolling and this and that. And, uh, yeah, to get that replayed and uh, win 5-1. Cheers for that, Kev. But as you say, top lad, top professional. 
Uh, still going now at 42. I think he is for Warrington Rylands in the uh, in the Northern Premier League. So, yeah, fair play to him. Uh, an old school character like like Tony Roberts that you don't really see that much more. And Tony Morecambe, when he was, he was well into his 30s, he was 32, 33 when he joined them. And to go on to have the career that he did and the longevity he did there, it's impressive, really. So, yeah, I think we can make an exception for uh, for Big Kev. I think that I think that story goes further. Actually, were we not two one up in that game that got abandoned? I remember. Yes. I remember Possibly. being in the main stand. I used to sit there with my grandma and obviously all the players. I used to sit towards the away end, and they were all walking off. And I remember he was getting absolute pelters from the main stand as well, and. Because he was doing, he was he was kicking it into puddles and stuff. And to be fair, looking back, you know the game should, probably should have been abandoned. It was probably the right decision, um, and it all worked out in the end. But I do remember him doing that. And when you're getting even pelters from the main stand, you know you're probably doing something right as an away player. Um, special mention to Barry Roach as well. Um, blocked me on two separate Twitter accounts um, after a few little tweets here and there. So big Baz as well. He was good for us again. Not taking anything away from him, he was a top top player in my estimation. He he was a decent goalkeeper and and a really good uh, League Two player. But it was always funny seeing him lose his head as well, and and always get get one over on him. Um, the other one that I was going to say is just any little gimp on Twitter or social media over the years that has called Stanley fans inbred monkeys or um, Dingle rejects. I was just going to say, anyone, anyone like that, you can just uh, get in the hall of shame as well if they want. Yep, yep, they can suck my fat dick. Absolute toss spots. Um, and again, I, I understand the frustration. You know, when you when you're in, a, you're in the shadow of a club that that dominates you so vigorously, and there's you know a, a famous name around the country whilst you're plonked in the middle of nowhere in a nuclear power station, it, it can be frustrating. You know. But um, it must, I just think, you know, the time it must take them to queue up to have to use the MERS computer to get on the internet and then get somebody else to type out the letters for them. It must be such hard work. So it's a fair play to them. A lot of the, a lot of those people care more about Accrington Stanley than, than a lot of people in Accrington. So thanks for the support, chaps. I am absolutely praying that we don't get beat on Saturday now after this because this would get clipped and replayed to us forever and ever and ever, to be fair. Um yeah, anybody else off the top of your head that can go in there? Lawrence Wilson. Lawrence Wilson is on. I wasn't even going to mention him because my hatred for that man has, has grown deep and thick through this podcast. But um, he, I wouldn't even put him in the hall of shame. I'd just say, you're a dickhead. Uh, but no, yeah, fair enough. Lawrence can go in there. Fair play to him. Um, yeah, I was also going to say, so we put it out there for... for for some of the fans on Twitter as well. I'm not Raw Milk fans, Stanley fans. I didn't just say f- our fans like an absolute dickhead. But your people's favourite memories of the Morecambe games, uh, I'll just pick a few out that are just in front of me. Danny Baker, you all already know the one. No point even saying it. He's referencing him being first on the scene there for the Peter Murphy celebration. Um We've got Rob Russell carrying our goalkeeper, John Armfield, off the pitch after a 5-0 mauling mid-90s. It was his final game, I think, but home fans thought we were taking the piss out of him. Um, And he got a picture of that as well. Uh, James Cheverton, the 5-1 for me at home when Molyneux scored the fifth under the lights and came up to the Clayton end stretched. Um, Not 
quite sure what he means stretched there. Um, stretched his dong. Stretched his dong, maybe. Joel Shooter, who is a prominent Morecambe fan on Twitter, to be fair. All the best to Joel. Um, he can't help who he supports, but I'm still scarred by the Ian Dunbavin masterclass at the Globe, as it was back then, with Richard Brodie missing that stoppage time penalty to win it. Um Jason Graham, the infamous streamers getting stuck round Bav's legs, then me and Foxy arguing ourselves into the night, into the Morecambe net. Decent old day and nighter. That was actually my first first time at Christie Park as a 12-year-old, and I still remember being stood with my granddad as I saw Jason being chucked out of that stand. Um, happy memories, one and all. Michael Hindley, I remember Stanley fans shouting at Morecambe subs to go and warm up somewhere else because they were blocking the view. Dexter Baxter, just touching on one that we've already mentioned, but Kevin Ellison, who presided over Morecambe's most successful period over Accrington, three wins out of twelve games in eight years. You rarely beat you rarely beat the Stanley. Would have loved him to play for us at some point, though, as we said. Um, uh, Baldy, who is past and present ASFC, their North Stand at Christie Park deserves a mention. In all fairness. I remember first going and being in awe, jealous of their home end until they sold their soul and it's now just called Isle 7 and 8 where they find coffee and tea bags. Um, and he, he mentioned the 5-1 as well. And then Darren as well, Darren Woodhead, who is the My Football Life, who's, who's also launching his own podcast soon as well. Uh, for those who may not know, Morecambe were way ahead of Stanley in the 70s and 80s and only started playing regularly in the early 90s. We won the first encounter on the crown in 1991 in a great game midweek in front of a huge crowd back then, 721. So a lot of people getting up for this. He also added, they left us behind again for another decade before we played them again in the conference. Almost 3,000 on a very wet Boxing Day win in 2003, showing our progress in past decades. And since then, we have usually had the upper hand. So everyone is absolutely buzzing for this, aren't they? Um, and yeah, I don't know. Every, everyone sort of got has a nice sort of soft spot for them in a strange way, don't they? Because Jason Graham's put as well, 10 years of dominance, always friendly with their lot. We saw up and down the M6 in the conference, lots in common, especially hatred of all things COD. So more sort of, um, more brings us together than divides us, doesn't it? But it's always just funny having that bit of needle, isn't it? To be fair, yeah. Well, when they, when they stayed up last year when Adams came back, I remember one of their fans tweeting something like "Tears on the street of Accrington," and I thought you've got that completely wrong. Most Accrington fans wanted you to stay up last year to keep the derby. I wanted them to win at Wembley as well. You know, I was a bit pissed off when they got the, the crack of Buxton away and then got I think it was Tottenham away in the FA Cup after having Chelsea away in the FA Cup the year before. You know, we're, we're still waiting for that plum tie. But yeah, I wanted them to come up and I, I want them to stay up. As long as they don't do better than us. It's like having a brother, isn't it? You know, as long as they, you want to have a successful and happy life, as long as they don't do too well and put you in the shade, it's fine. Or maybe that's just me being bitter and cynical. But, uh, you know, my ideal my ideal League One season is just to come come top and them to come second, you know. It's, it's good for both teams. It gives us something to look forward to. Geographically, you know, where we are, East Lanks is saturated, so... All the existing sides already have rivalries. They've got fuck all near them. Um, it's, it's good for both clubs to have that. That's something to look forward to, really. 
Absolutely, yeah. There's nothing more we can say about that, mate. Roll on Saturday, I'd say. Lawrence Wilson, Barry Roach, Jim Bentley, Alex Kenyon, Kevin Ellison. That tit on Twitter who always says we're inbred. We're fucking coming for you. Come on, the boys. Thank you for tuning into Raw Milk. Our theme music is Mr. Powder by Deja Vega. Our producer is Scott Borton. Follow us at Raw Milk Zine on Twitter and Instagram and Raw Milk Fanzine on Facebook. You can also download, subscribe and like all of our podcasts at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Up the Reds! Podcast Network.